Yes, guys, welcome back to another episode of Teams Like Brighton. And today's episode is all about the opposition. And joining me is none other than George Smith. Uh, you might have remembered him from last season. He's the MEN's Manchester United reporter. George, how are you doing? I'm very well, Tom. How about you? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks. Not too bad. I'm glad to see the uh, end of the international break for sure. Um, with European football just around the corner as well, it's uh, it's building up quite exciting over here. We're not really used to it as much as uh, the city of Manchester is with European football for sure. But let, let, let's talk ahead about this game. It's uh, it's pretty. It's fair to say it's quite a big one going in here. It's a bit mad to say that it's uh, top two top six top six sides at Old Trafford. Um, safe to say there's quite a lot that's happened in Man- at Manchester United off the pitch as well as on the pitch. We'll talk about that more later, but let's go ahead straight in for the match. Team news. Uh, w- w- what's the latest for Ten Hag's side? Well, uh, Eric Ten Hag will be doing his press conference in a couple of hours' time after we've done this podcast, but the way things are shaping up at the moment is obviously Jaden Sancho won't be included in the squad and we're going to talk about that a little bit more in depth, aren't we, later on. Anthony's also going to be absent, so immediately two big-name wingers out for United on Saturday afternoon. Sofian Amrabat could make his debut by all accounts. It looks as though he's shaken off his, his minor injury problem, so could be included. Mason Mount seems a little bit touch-and-go before we know what uh, what Eric Ten Hag is going to say in his press conference. And then the other one is Sergio Reguilón, who signed on loan from Tottenham on, on deadline day. He could make his debut. He's fit and raring to go. Uh, and probably all eyes as well beyond Rasmus Hoyland, who stepped off the bench to make his debut at Arsenal prior to the international break and he's fit and raring to go to possibly make his first start. So that's kind of where the headlines are at for United in terms of team news. So it'll be a case of starts on the right wing and Will Hosland get his full debut. I think they're the main takeaways that the fans will be looking for when the team news drops at two o'clock on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, let's talk about United's form because it's safe to say it's not been uh, the most consistent start for um, Ten Hag's sides. Both defeats away from home and narrow victories against teams really on paper United should have dominated. What, where do you think uh, United's flaws have been so far this season? Well, I would argue that they've they've simply not looked sharp enough, not looked fit enough. They've tired quite quickly. And I, as I mentioned to you before we started recording, I've been on annual leave recently. So I've seen three of their opening four games. And the opening game against Wolves, where they, they scraped a 1-0 win on the... Um, on the Monday night football, the first Monday night football of the season, they were very, very poor. They were very fortunate to win that game. It was a case of Wolves just simply weren't clinical enough. And had they brought their shooting boots to Old Trafford that night, Wolves could have comfortably won that game 2 or 3 nil. They were really, really good. United were off the pace and almost looked incredibly lethargic as though they were at the end of a long season, not at the beginning of a new one. The following week, Tottenham away, first half performance was, was OK. There were some nice bits to it. But again, same old story, not clinical enough in front of goal. Then the second half, Spurs got the early goal. They collapsed like they so often do away from home uh, against the the so-called big hitters in this league, as we saw last season when they were they were trounced by the likes of Man City and Liverpool away, Arsenal. I mean, they were they were crushed by Newcastle, even though they only lost two 0 last season. So it was a similar story at Spurs. Then they had Nottingham Forest at home. They they scraped past them, coming from two 0 down to win three two after a nightmare start. Again, seemingly was it a case of under estimating the opposition and they were caught out and 2-0 down after four minutes but came back as they so often do to, to win that game they are very good at home as we've seen over the last 12 months and then obviously they went to Arsenal and for a time for a few seconds it looked as though they were going to win that game obviously that debatable offside Alejandro Ganacho goal 
then obviously Arsenal scored twice in stoppage time to win the game 3-1. So, in a nutshell, their form sort of carried on in a similar way to last season, in the sense that they've got the results at home, but they're really, really poor away from home. And obviously, you've got to accept United. They've had two very challenging away games to start the season, Arsenal and Tottenham. You're not going to get too, arguably too many tougher than that, certainly back-to-back. At home, though, Wolves, Forest, they should have been winning those games comfortably. And though they did, the performances certainly... For the, for the most part against Wolves, it just wasn't there. So it is a big game this one this weekend. And there's a, there's a sense that obviously after all what's gone off in the last couple of weeks with, with Jaden Sancho and a few other nuggets in there, it's a big game for United and one that they've got to win. They've got to put a performance on for the fans. They've got to try and lift some of the doom and gloom. But having said that, they're, they're in for arguably one of the toughest tests they could wish for with the way Brighton have started the season. Right. So... <laughs> We mentioned there quite a lot there. There was a lot there to digest. Uh, obviously, the Arsenal game was uh, quite a big one for United as well. Decisions really seem to be going their way. What, for, from what you've seen in the first four games, where do you United finish in come the end of the season? Well, I think they've got to, at the very least, be targeting another top four tilt. There's, there's no doubt about that. There has been talk of a title charge. Personally, I don't subscribe to that. I really don't think United have got the quality certainly in terms of strength and depth to compete with the likes of City and Arsenal at the moment. The starting eleven is, is is not on par with either of those two. So when you dive a little deeper into the squad, they've certainly not got the depth to compete. So I think the, the objective, again, will be trying to get a top four finish. Can they get more points than what bagged them third last season? Can they improve on third and possibly claim second? So I think anything, anything other than a top four finish is, is a failure this season. I think they'll be they were looking to compete as well on the trophy front in the FA Cup and the League Cup again. They obviously made the final of both competitions last season. Champions League, it's going to be very tough for them, obviously, Bayern Munich coming up in their first group game on Wednesday, which is going to be a real tough test of their credentials. So I think realistically, the, the, the ultimate aim has got to be top four again and then just gradually build year on year because Eric Ten Hag, he's overseeing this long-term vision. And though United did spend a fair amount of money in the summer, again, he didn't. He didn't necessarily land his preferred targets. Obviously, it was well documented. He wanted Harry Kane to lead that forward line. It didn't happen. He wanted Jude Bellingham and Frankie de Jong, either of those two, to bolster that midfield. He ended up with Mason Mount. So, though they've spent money, he's not necessarily got the top-end elite-level players that he wanted. So, until that changes, I don't think United will be in a title conversation. So, again, I fear it's going to be top four or bust for them this season. It's quite interesting what you're saying about uh, the trials. Anything wrong for United? Because personally, for me, it all seemed like a sure thing that Kane was going to be going. Bellingham may, might have been a stretch, but De Jong also was a long-term target of United. So, what what's gone wrong for to get the players that he wanted? I think with with the Harry Kane situation, first of all, I think it was a case of number one, Daniel Levy at Tottenham Hotspur was never going to entertain the idea of selling to a Premier League rival. We, we know what Daniel Levy's like; he's a stickler when it comes to negotiations, particularly with with fellow big big Premier League clubs. And I just don't think there was any way on God's earth that he was going to sell Harry Kane to a direct rival. Spurs obviously wanting top four this season as well; they want a return to the Champions League. So I think the only way Harry Kane was going to leave. The, the summer just gone was by going to a club overseas and obviously that's what happened with going to Bayern Munich. Uh, in regards to De Jong and Bellingham, Bellingham, we did a story back in December last year where Eric Ten Hag essentially told sources that 
Jude Bellingham was the basically that if he could sign any player in the world, it would be him, which is quite understandable with the way we've seen Jude Bellingham develop over the past couple of years or so. And then De Jong, United tried to get that done in the summer of 22. Um, United did reach an agreement with Barcelona that summer, but Barcelona ended up having to back out of the deal due to De Jong being owed unpaid wages of about 17 million euros. So again, that was another one that didn't materialise. So he's missed out on leading targets. There's no doubt about that. And you can understand the manager's frustration, even though fans of other clubs will always look at Manchester United and rightly point out they do spend money and big money on players. I mean, they spent best part of £60 million on Mason Mount, £72 million on Rasmus Hoyland. It is big money that fans of only other clubs could dream of. But necessarily the manager, though he's pleased with the additions of Mount and Hoyland, he's not landed his number one top concrete target. So that, that's where it's gone wrong for United. But obviously there's all the feud going on with the ownership and issues there. But they are continuing to spend money, but not necessarily the Glazers' own money. It's all through merchandise sales, ticket sales and every other nut and cranny that comes with Manchester United with the profit they, they bring in every year. So that's where we're at recruitment-wise. But uh, yeah, Harry Kane, I just think it was a case of Spurs were never going to entertain the idea of selling him to a Premier League rival. And you mentioned them just then in that conversation, the Glazers. <clears throat> what is the latest on United being up for sale? Are they up for sale? Was it Were they ever going to be sold? Was this just something that the Glazers were just messing about with? Well, I mean, where where even start with this conversation? I mean, over at the MEM, I think we, we've just about had enough of covering this, and basically nothing's happened for the best part of four or five months now. It's been a a real slow process. The Glazers announced that they were up putting the club up for sale or seeking fresh investment. I remember it well. It was, it was the third day of the World Cup last year, so we're not far off a year since they released that first statement confirming that they were open to offers. Um, so Jim Ratcliffe and um, Sheikh Jassim from Qatar have long been since the, the two favourites to potentially get the club. Ratcliffe wants a majority stake. Sheikh Jassim wants, wants full control. He wants to buy the club outright. And ultimately, there's just been no movement on that. It, it's, I, feel, I don't think we've had a concrete development since about the third week of June when Sheikh Jassim tabled, I think it was a fifth and yet another improved bid. And nothing's moved on since there. So just a lot of frustration. The fans are they just want it wrapped up one way or another. And and ultimately we are we are no closer to knowing whether the Glazers are going to stay or go. Yeah, it's it's, it's plenty to talk about, and there's plenty more that we could talk about about what's going on at Old Trafford, the Glazers and United all together. But let, let let's look ahead more about the match. And obviously, you guys are going to be entertaining Brighton. Um who have pretty decent start to the season after finishing in the top six last season. What, what are your thoughts on the club as a whole and what, what are you expecting to see from the Albion? Well, I think it'll be a really tough test. There's no doubt about that. I've, I've been very impressed by the start Brighton have made. Obviously, they've, they've won three of their first four. They're the top scorers in the league so far with 12 goals across those those four games. They, they dismantled Newcastle. They took Wolves and, and Luton apart and obviously came unstuck against West Ham in that that home game in the third week of the season. But Brighton have just got an embarrassment of riches now, particularly in forward areas. You, you look at the likes of Solly March, who's had an excellent start to the season, Matoma, Evan Ferguson, and Sufati's obviously coming on loan from Barcelona. And you do have to look at that team and you do have to take it seriously now. It's as simple as that. This is a very, very good Brighton team that play a very, very good brand of football. And United have proven in those two games against Wolves uh, and Nottingham Forest, even though they did win both of them, that they 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 can be vulnerable at home in certainly defensive aspects, 
even though they've won those first two games and haven't lost at home in the in in the league since Brighton beat them on the opening day of last season. So there's a long unbeaten record there at Old Trafford that dates back over 12 months now. But Brighton have proven this season that they're, they're not to be messed with. They've got an embarrassment of riches in forward areas, I've just said. So I think Brighton will will go into that game with the intention of winning it. I think they've got the quality to win it. And I think for United, though the onus will be on them to attack and they're going to be under a little bit of pressure after the, all the noises that have been made in the last couple of weeks and the negativity surrounding the club, this one isn't going to be easy. And United certainly can't underestimate them. But I think United will be looking at this upcoming period and think we've played Arsenal and Tottenham in the first four. Our next four games look certainly favourable on paper. Three of them are at home. The only away game is Burnley. It's a good opportunity to get points on the board. But obviously, they've got that big game against Bayern to come in the week. So, they've got to get a result from this. So, I think United will look at it in the sense that it's one we've got to win. But I think they'll be very mindful that this is going to be a very, very, very stern test. And obviously, is the game just before the European campaigns kick off for the respective clubs. From your experience, what do you think that Brighton fans can expect from Europe? What things will they probably have to deal with, especially in terms of sort of testing squad depth? I think if I remember rightly, we don't have a, a week's break now until the new year, which seems very alien to us. So what, what can Brighton fans expect from that in terms of testing the squad? Well, speaking from the past experience of Manchester United last season with, with the Europa League, and obviously they went all the way to the to the final of the League Cup and won that. So they, they went a long, long, long time without a midweek break, which is what was coming up for Brighton. Obviously, the World Cup last season was, you know, messed the fixture list up that little bit more. But I think Brighton are going to have to be mindful of the fact that there's going to be a lot of rotation to come from Roberto De Zerbi in the coming weeks. Obviously, you've got the, the problem of going basically every week now, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday and it was a problem for United last season because Eric Ten Hag as I said earlier on he's not necessarily got the squad depth certainly at a level that Manchester United should be expecting so he very often refrained to rotate things he he often deployed star studded 11s against teams where you would have presumed that he'd made a few more changes and possibly played the youngsters because United obviously last season they, they, they played some, some of the European minnows such as Sheriff Tiraspol for example they were in the Europa League group and then United obviously they finished second in their group, so they then had to play a Europa League two-legged playoff to get into the last 16, which was obviously against Barcelona. So that meant another two fixtures. So it's going to be hectic for Brighton, particularly if they progress well in the, in the domestic cup competitions as well. But at the end of the day, I suppose, if you get into these competitions, surely you want to progress in them. And I mean, for, for a club like Brighton, who have, who have obviously been on the rise in the last few years and they've now got this opportunity, they're going to want to make the very, very most of it. But like I said, I think Brighton have got good depth. They've got a lot of quality in forward areas. They've got the ability to mix things up. So I suppose it'll be a sort of a case of what does Roberto De Zerbi consider more important? Is it the Premier League or is it perhaps going on a bit of a European journey, which I'm sure the fans would, would love and embrace? So I don't know about you, Tom, but what personally, from, from your perspective, do you think De Zerbi will sort of maybe lean towards in being his, his favoured path? Sorry, say, sorry, say that again. You broke up a little bit. <laughs> I was just sort of saying, do you think De Zerbi will perhaps lean maybe towards the league or maybe the Europa League or just try and balance the two the best he can? It's it's funny you say that because when when Dunk was being interviewed at the start of the season, he got asked about the Europa League and they he just said, we want to win it. So for me, I, I, I see with De Zerbi, he just wants to just do as best he 
he possibly can for the squad for the rest of the season. I think he will definitely put a few more eggs in the basket in the Europa League just to see how far this club can really go in there. Because you know, if we if we get a good promising run and we find ourselves in the mix in the finals or the semi-finals, then you know the the two precious words Champions League is going to be whispering on the south coast, which is just unimaginable. I still remember the days of us losing to nine-man Walsall at the Withdean. So it, it does seem a bit bonkers, the fact that we there is a possibility that we can realistically talk about not finishing the top four, but we could be winning a European competition here. When, we, when you look at our group, Ajax and Marseille are on paper the two biggest guys there on paper, but Ajax are in a transition at the moment. They, they've lost Kudus to West Ham, who could have come to us, but we won't talk about that. Um, they haven't really recovered since Ten Hag. They've had they've sacked two managers in that time last season in Heitner and Truder. They just haven't really found that much of an answer. Final are probably the more concrete team in um, from the era de Vissi in that case. And Marseille as well. They've lost quite a fair few players in the summer. So... They haven't really found their feet at the moment in, in the gun this season. So th- there's a lot there that deserve is going to be seen like we can take this, we can take this on, we can win this group here. We need to push on. So I think I think now that we've got the shrewd signings of like, you know, Anti Fatty and Carlos Belieber, I do I do see Deserbi maybe pushing more favourably for Europa League matches and maybe just doing damage control in the league, perhaps. I I, I honestly can't see us finishing top six I'll be amazed if we win if we get top six just because you know no mid no midweek breaks uh Thursday Sunday Thursday Sunday it, it, it's it's a big thing and deserve said last season that we we aren't ready for it and I agree with him then and I still agree with him now so I think if we are going to do anything this season I think Europa League will be the priority which is mad thinking about it really <laughs> Yeah, it's been, been quite the rise for you guys, hasn't it? It's really impressive. And I think I think one of the nice things about it is that it's, it's admired so much around this country in terms of football fans in general. I think there's a lot of appreciation for what Brighton have done. Similarly to what Brentford have done as well, I think a lot of people look back and sort of admire it. And, you know, I think, I think you learn a lot of friends and a lot of neutral supporters this season in Europe. I really do. Yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting one for sure, and it's it's gonna be so alien the fact that you know Marseille, Amsterdam, and Athens are on my away day wish list, as well as Manchester and the few London clubs, and going up to Newcastle typically this season. It it, it is mental, but let, George, I want to say thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. But I am gonna have to ask you, as is tradition, what do you think the score is going to be ahead of this weekend's match? Well, you put me on the spot as you so often do, Tom. And I, I've got to be honest with with what I've seen of United so far this season and what's gone off in the last few weeks. I genuinely don't know what sort of United side we're going to get. We're either going to get one that stumbled and stuttered like it did against Wolves and Forest, or we're going to get going to get one that's going to come out all guns blazing and had a bit of a rocket up the backside after a bad few weeks. But I think with the way things are going, I can I can actually see Brighton winning this game. I really can. I think. United obviously have been very, very good at Old Trafford. It is more than 12 months, as I said, since they lost there uh, in all competitions. Real Sociedad were the last team to beat them in the Europa League last year. Brighton, the last domestic team. So it would be kind of, it would fit the narrative somewhat if Brighton were to end that unbeaten run and, you know, force United to start another one. So I could see the Seagulls winning this one and I'm going to go for a 2-1 Brighton win.
which would be quite damaging for United. I've just actually seen a stat earlier on this morning. If United were to lose this game, it'd be the first time they'd lost three of their opening five league games since 1990. So there's a bit of pressure for United and you never know, Brighton might capitalise that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do agree with you on that as well. I, I do feel like Brighton will go there and I think we've got a great chance to win. I think the scoreline's going to be 2-1 as well. We're a bit shaky in defence because we do push on a little bit more, that little bit more up front with what we have at our disposal, and our, particularly on our bench as well. And deserve has been very attacking-minded in substitutions as well, which has been exciting to see at the start of the season. It'll be interesting to see whether or not he maintains that as we go into the fixture congestion period here, which is typically something that I see Jurgen Klopp moan and whinge about, but it'd be interesting to see what Deserby says come December time for sure. But let, George, thank you so much again. Um, just give us a shout out uh, where we can follow you um, for all things Manchester United. You can follow me on, on X as it is now. And I nearly said Twitter then, but it's uh, underscore George Smith 99 where you can find my uh, United content and obviously the MEN website as well. Excellent. X is weird. X is like saying the artist formerly known as Prince. It's still known as Prince. So therefore, to me, it's still Twitter. But look, George, thank you so much again. Uh, as always, guys, make sure to like, subscribe on all your uh, podcast platforms, where, however you listen, and make sure to like and subscribe on our YouTube channel, Teams Like Bryson as well. Until then, guys, up the Albion. And for those going, enjoy the trip to Old Trafford as well. <laughs>